Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, I was going on a walk the other day, and I got a call from Neil. Neil said, hey, Franz, remember way back when, when Tyler and Ian wrote us an email about how to go about learning how to sail and what advice we could give them? Well, it turns out they went sailing, and I'm going to be interviewing them about their adventures, about learning to sail, and then going and sailing in Greece this last summer. Before we get to that, I want to thank our sponsor, Sailrite. This show is sponsored in part by Sailrite. Since 1969, Sailrite has been equipping self-sufficient sailors with tools, supplies, and knowledge they need to sew for their boats. This second-generation family business is also the maker of the Sailrite UltraFeed sewing machine. The UltraFeed is a portable, heavy-duty sewing machine that was designed to handle all your maritime sewing projects from sails to covers. At Sailrite, you'll find everything you need to take on your next do-it-yourself project, including fabric, tools, hardware, and even hundreds of free how-to video tutorials. Start your next project at Sailrite.com. That's S-A-I-L-R-I-T-E dot com. All right, before we get on to the interview today, I want to encourage you that if you want to support this podcast that you go to patreon.com forward slash medsailor. I have several rewards that you can choose to sponsor at whatever level you are comfortable with. The one I'm looking forward to are the ones that sponsor me at the level where I invite them to go sailing because I'm going to have some room this summer for listeners of this podcast to go sailing with me. So I hope I have a few sponsors at that level. So that website again is Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash MedSailor, M-E-D-S-A-I-L-O-R dot com. Now, last thing, if you like this podcast, please go into the iTunes directory and give it a thumbs up or write a comment. Tell your friends about it. I'd like to grow the audience. And the best way to do that is to get positive reviews in iTunes and for you to share it with your friends. All right, with this introduction out of the way, let's get on to the interview with Ian and Tyler. All right, I am on the phone. Actually, I'm going to try something new today. I've got Neil Fletcher out of Santa Monica, California, who's a friend of mine and I've sailed with. Also, in San Francisco, I have Tyler and Ian Drogan, who wrote us a while back and wanted to learn about how to go about chartering a boat in Greece we corresponded a little bit. I think, Neil, you, you talked to him a bit, and you guys lived the dream this summer. So, Tyler, introduce yourself and your brother, and tell us a little bit about what you did. Yeah, hello, guys. Uh, so, this is Tyler here um, with Ian, my brother, and uh, this past summer in 2016, we did a, uh, a six-week charter in the Aegean Seas, a little bit in the Dodecanese Seas of, of Greece. Um, we did it with ourselves and three of our friends, our friend uh, Anna, Aaron's, and, and Spencer. So it was this, the five of us. It was a, a real good time, but it was definitely a learning experience as most of us didn't have too much sailing experience going into the charter. So it was really kind of a, a, 
uh, first for So Ian, uh, so who was the captain on this boat? I guess I don't, I'm not sure who to address it to, Ian or Tyler. Anyway, the Drogan brothers. Which one of you was the captain, or how did you go about determining responsibility and who took on the uh, the, the charter? I guess is is really the liability goes with the charter boat. Yeah. So this is Ian now, Tyler's brother, and um, myself and uh, our friend Spencer. We we took the sailing classes at a sailing school called Pacific Sail in Santa Cruz, California. Had a great experience. Um, completing our prerequisite ASA courses, 101, 103, and 104. So we kind of took on co-captaining responsibilities. And we all kind of made decisions together about where we wanted to go and kind of how we wanted to spend our time. But um, on paper, we were the captains and kind of, um, you know, led our crossings and gave instructions and all that. So, uh, yeah, we kind of did a share captaining responsibility with everyone kind of pitching in and, um, you know, sharing what they wanted to do. And which chart, this is Neil speaking, uh, which charter company did you guys use? We worked with a charter company called Sailways, um, who was great. They they provided us with a captain for the first two days of our journey, which was really helpful for getting to know the area. And, um, you know, none of us had ever captained a boat that big before, or in my case, any boat, really. So it was... It was super helpful, um, but yeah, a company called Sailways that that we worked with that was based in Athens. And, yeah. and how, how big how big was the boat? And did you find that that your qualifications were enough? They didn't want to see a certificate of competency or so, anything like that, which I hear can be a problem over there. Um, the boat was a Bavaria forty four, I believe, a two thousand six or two thousand seven. So it was a forty four foot boat, uh, four cabin. For the four cabin model so it was definitely big enough for the five of us it was actually quite a quite a good size and as far as the sailing certificate and competency goes we emailed probably about 10 or 20 different charter companies before going on the charter and asked all of them what they would need um, as far as proving our competency as sailors and all of them said that they would accept ASA 101, 103, and 104 for one person along with one other person basically signing a declaration saying that they have uh, sailing experience to serve as the, the second mate. Um, okay. and Ian and Spencer both had the ASA 101, 103, and 104. And so we um, provided them with those certificates. And that was, I think... Uh, compliant that was definitely compliant with the law and i think all of the charter companies just kind of went along with what the law was but that did take a little bit of research uh beforehand and and you were actually gone for six or five weeks i think or six weeks was it yeah yeah we were we our total journey um on the boat was about six weeks and um the other part of your question it definitely gave us enough to feel like we had a you know, that I felt comfortable embarking on the journey, but um, we definitely had some learning experiences that were a little challenging at times. Um, you know, so it was, it was definitely a challenging experience, but we did, I did feel prepared enough to kind of think that the journey was reasonable. Um, and it was really helpful that our charter company, Sailways, they were available by phone and Skype for any questions or troubleshooting or things like that that came up, which did come up. So, 
you know, it was challenging, but we, d we did have support that made it, you know, feel a little more comfortable as well. Where did you pick up the boat and give us the itinerary of the islands that you visited? Now, how, and how long was this charter? Was this a two-week charter, a three-week charter? How long did you go? So the charter itself was a six-week charter. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a bit of a longer charter as far as charters go. But um, we picked up the boat in Alamos Marina in Athens. So I believe kind of on the south, um, southwest side of Athens. Um, really down there in the south. And that was our start and end point. So it was a round trip charter. Um, and, and that's really, that's, that's Sailways base. Um, and that's where we picked up the boat. Six weeks. That's a, that's a good charter. So you could pretty much see a lot of the Kikladis and the Dodecanese islands in with that. Yeah, I think in total we went to, I, I could list off all the places we went to, but I think it was close to about 15 different islands. Um, over the course of those six weeks and you know some of them we just stopped for a night kind of en route somewhere else and some of them we spent you know i think the most we spent anywhere was 10 days in kalimnos um but you know there were a couple that we stayed two to four nights and you know it's kind of however we felt about the island we just kind of stayed accordingly so and it's amazing how how quick time goes when you're doing that sort of thing i think by the end we felt like we had seen quite a bit but um, and where we're ready to be back on land. But it was also there was also plenty more that we could have seen, and and if we had more time, could have kept going. So start start telling us about day to day. Let's go through these. Okay. So the the first day we it was the five of us and our skipper uh, Fiori, and we did about a twenty nautical mile journey down down the coast. We stopped at an anchorage called the Temple of Poseidon. Um, we, we got a late start that day, so we got in kind of around sunset. That was Cape So Union, then, is where you headed to. Yeah, yeah, correct. And um, that, was, that was really our first night clearing and sleeping on a boat. So that was really a pretty awesome experience to kind of get a feel for the freedom that sailing provides. We anchored off. Uh, it was pretty good anchorage. There was a lot of other boats there as well. It was a bit bumpy that first night uh, due to the ferries passing. But the next morning, we were able to go up and, and see the Temple of Poseidon, which kind of overlooks the anchorage right there. Um, so really, really kind of idyllic situation. Did you uh, come in the back door? Because I've been there, and, I, and you, if you go in the back door, you can pretty much avoid paying the fee to get into Cape the Poseidon Temple. I just walked around and went right up where the the fence had basically fallen down. Or did you walk up and come in the front? No, that's exactly what we did. We did what you did, and uh, <laughs> we learned that that was not what you're supposed to do. But yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that was our approach as well. In all fairness, we didn't actually know you were supposed to pay. We just kind of we took our our dinghy into uh, the shore right where the fence had fallen down, and we we kind of walked up that way. Yeah, actually, I think they just put the fee about oh maybe ten years ago. The first time I went there, there was nothing even even stopping anybody from walking in there. It wasn't protected at all. So I think that's that's in the last ten years they put a, a fee booth in there. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> But they once they they um, once they found us, they were nice enough about it. 
in the pilot, it says that's not particularly good holding. And that was one, uh, one, and I've talked about my story about staying in that bay in the past where I uh, learned my double anchoring technique was in that, in that particular bay. So, okay, great. So the next day, did you go over to Kia? That's my guess. We actually went straight down to Keithnos, and uh, we were there for one night. <clears throat> and this is where um, Fiori, the, the guest who stayed with us for the first two days, he, he departed. Um, that was kind of bittersweet. He, was, he, he became a good friend of ours pretty quickly um, and definitely provided a lot of support. But that's where we kind of stepped into our own as sailors and um the next morning we took off and we went to a little island called Rinya next to Mykonos um and that that was a to me at least that was a really magical experience we were able to uh, in a little cove there were not really any other boats around um we kind of swam into shore went and explored what seemed to be I, I don't know if I'd say ancient ruins but they were you know definitely stone stone structures that were no longer in use and um you know were built quite a while ago and kind of was able to explore there and take some pictures um and we just stayed there one night and cooked dinner on the boat and um you know just kind of the solitude and and uh you know the fact that there was no one else around made that really cool experience and i mean that's why i kind of dreamed about sailing before we even did this is because of those you know, experiences of being away from people, kind of self-contained in your own vessel somewhere. So that was a really cool experience. Then we continued onward to Mykonos the next day. Right, hold on, hold on, hold on. On Rina, I'm looking at, as you guys talk, I'm always pulling up uh, Google Earth and, and looking at the island. Where, where, I mean, there's lots of little anchorages on Rina. And actually, I've never stayed on Rina. It's one of the few islands that I've never stayed on. I've been through... Uh, the passage between Rena and Delos, but I've never actually anchored overnight on Rena. Where did you, um, what bay was it on the east side, south side, west side? Where did you end up staying on the, on, on the island of Rena? We stayed on the west side. There's a little kind of um, bay and it kind of branches off to the right and the left. So we were, so I guess that would be west, a little bit northwest. Well, it was on the west side, but then within that little bay, kind of in the northern tip, um, you know, we were able to drop anchor there and had it all to ourselves. So it was, it was really nice. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm actually looking at some pictures of it. Looks like it's a pretty desolate bay, but uh, fairly shallow. So lots of places to anchor in that bay. Correct. And yeah, if you look at the island where it becomes really narrow, there's that narrow kind of center point. We anchored on the west side of that um, up in not that first little bay, but I believe it was the second little bay of oh, the island. Okay, okay. So it was really on the south side just of uh, the first the first sort of area north of the peninsula then. Looks very protected. Correct. Yeah, it looks very protected. Yeah, it was a well-protected. We we, it was... It was um, the first anchorage that we had in at the Temple of Poseidon. That was a bit bumpy. This anchorage, and, and after the Temple of Poseidon anchorage, we were kind of thinking like, oh, is this going to be how all anchorages are? But the, the one on Rhenia was really soft, was really mellow. We, we slept really well there. Um, uh, yeah. And could you just tell us a little bit about the wind conditions? Did you have steady wind? Were you able to hoist the sails most of the time? Uh, were you, did you have to do a fair amount of motoring? 
actually it's kind of funny we we when we were choosing destination um sailing in greece we considered the ionian and we also obviously we considered the aegean and we were kind of having a discussion beforehand about which one we should choose as first-time sailors and the ionian what the feedback that we got was that it's a lot more calm and easy for first-timers the the Aegean, we heard about the Meltemi winds, obviously, in the summer. And so we were kind of coming into it expecting heavy winds and, and, and choppy conditions, um, at least for, for our um, kind of skill set. But the first couple of days, from Alamos to the Temple of Poseidon, from the Temple of Poseidon to Kethnos, and from Kethnos to Rhenia, it was about maybe one or two knots of wind. It was just absolutely flat. The water was perfectly glassy. It was really beautiful, but that also meant that we were motoring quite a bit. So we really weren't doing that much sailing at the time. Um, after after Rhenia, things picked up and kind of changed a bit. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, what was the what what was the starting date? You probably told me, but I forgot or I didn't hear you. What what day did you start your charter on? Uh, it was June twenty fifth. Yeah. Okay. So, so the Meltemi yeah. should starting to should start to be blowing about then. So okay. Yeah, and I believe that it went until about August. August fifth. Uh, August fifth. August fifth. Yeah. yeah. And could you just tell us how to spell Rhenia for those at home looking it up? Yeah. R H I N I A. And actually, there's different spellings there is, for yeah. a lot of these islands. Um, <laughs> here on Google Maps, I'm seeing it R I N E I A. And I'm looking at Google Earth, and it's R I N I A. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, like a lot of Greek islands, there's multiple spellings on there. All right. So from yeah. from Rena, then you headed over to you. Did you go up the channel between Rena and Delos, or did you go around the north end of the island? We north end. Okay. Yeah, and that that was the first day that we really had solid wind, and um, were able to kind of. Do it fully by sail, and and uh, I mean it was. I don't remember. Do you remember the nautical? I think it was blowing around twenty knots that day, um, which going from go, was really nice, but going from completely calm to twenty knots uh, changed pretty quick. And and so that was yeah, like Ian said, really the first time that we hoisted our sails and and were fully just under sail power, which was definitely a pretty awesome experience and that's i mean that's a short journey yeah it only took us i think about two hours or so but it was it was a good level of wind to kind of be you know get our excitement going but it felt pretty manageable too um and yeah we got into mykonos and we stayed there about four nights all right where did you go in mykonos the harbor in mykonos or one of the anchorages in mykonos Correct. Yeah, we went to the. I think it's, it's old. It was. It was the Newport. Oh, the, the Newport. Yeah. So it's so about that, four miles out of town. Then, really, three or four miles out of town. Then, right? Correct. Yeah, that's right. But they, there is a ferry that goes that picks up right at the Newport and goes to downtown, and that goes every half hour. So we're really, you know, pretty close to downtown when it comes to time to get there. Um, but yeah, it, we were also a little bit removed, and you know. And that's a windy harbor. The the, yeah. the Meltemi coming from the north funnels down over a hill that I guess is supposed to protect it, but it really funnels it down into the harbor. And as we found in many harbors, actually on on the islands, it was it was quite windy. Um, 
But again, we hadn't experienced too many harbors, so we didn't know how out of the ordinary that was or, or how normal that was. Now, did you pick up a lade more in there, or did you drop your anchor and back in? Because when I was there before, I had to drop my anchor. We we dropped our anchor and backed in. And actually, that was that was kind of the, I guess, first test of our of our new sailing skills because obviously when you learn here in the United States, I don't know, did you guys do med mooring? No, we didn't. We, we always had a nice cushy slip to pull into. So that was the first time any of us had ever backed into a space and, you know, having dropped our anchor and backed in. And I think it took us, um, you know, I think, yeah, I think we got on our second try, but it, it was, yeah. And the wind, the wind was also blowing when we tried it. It was, it, it was, it's, funny if you look at our we, we would often look at our um navionics route um after we had had anchored or or um docked we would kind of look at our navionics route from the day and we looked at our navionics route that day and we had spent maybe 10 or 15 minutes kind of doing circles right outside the mouth of the harbor kind of discussing our, our plan of action to get in and to make sure that we did it all correctly um but we, after discussing it and, and kind of coming up with a course of action and dividing up responsibilities, we, it went pretty smooth, which, which was pretty good. Yeah, and they, the holding for your anchor there is notoriously poor as well in that, in that harbor. Uh, I dragged anchor there one time uh, when, I, when I was at town, and fortunately somebody had tied off my boat to their boat to keep me from bashing against the concrete key. So that, uh, that ferry going back and forth between uh, Old Town and, the, and that is new. How late at night does that keep going? All night long? I think, till, I think the last one was at 11. <clears throat> so we did stay out a little bit past that a couple nights and needed to, get, you know, needed to take a taxi home. But uh, it was good for going there at least. Well, that's good to know about because I've always avoided Mykonos because it's such a headache to get into town, and the harbor's not particularly good. I, I have stories I've told on past podcasts about spending uh, a night on the, in that harbor, so I won't be right at this time with that same story. So did you do the nightlife in Mykonos? Yeah, we did, we did that a bit. We, we, the first night, we, we kind of went out and did it, you know, just yeah we, we went out and did it and after that we kind of you know we're a little bit not as enthused about it we spent more of our time in the downtown area we went out to in general we were very uh you know we were very frugal with going out and did a lot of cooking on our boat but uh, we went out for one nice meal right in the kind of heart of downtown right where the I don't know what it's called but right it, below the windmills where there's that little strip that's just so picturesque and because all the restaurants right by the water, and we ate there one night, um, kind of perused the shops and everything, and um, we went over to the other side of the island. Like I said, for I think well, no, actually we went there twice, but once to really go out and um, some dancing, kind of walked around. Um, yeah, we definitely did that a little bit, and then uh, after that, we kind of focused more on doing things during the day and. Um, you know, stuck in the downtown area. Okay, so you, how long were you at Mykonos, and how many nights did you stay at Mykonos? Uh, four nights. Okay. Four nights total, yeah. Now, did you have to pay any port fees? Because I've never been hit up for port fees in Mykonos. I think we did have to pay port fees. Uh, it wasn't too significant. I can't remember the exact 
um, rate. And actually, if I remember correctly, the the rate that they charged us was less than their stated rate when we got into the harbor. Um, and I also remember we had to find them. We we tried. I remember going to the little booth or the little mini little shack where they were doing it a couple times, and no one was there. So, um, you know, but. But we did, I believe, find them and pay our fees, uh, probably on the third or fourth day. Yeah. All right, Neil. Yeah, have any other questions on Mykonos or anything for them? Not well, not about Mykonos, but there was something that you said um, about um, frugality. That if I could just ask you to just step back one second, it's interesting that you managed to get five of you, that many people, to all agree to go away for that prolonged period of time, because that's not an inexpensive charter. So I guess, you know, just as a general question, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, is it, was it easy to find to get all you guys on board? Did you all have this dream about sailing or was it more your dream and you managed to persuade the others? I mean, could you just touch on that for a moment? Yeah. So we all were pretty much on the same page. And just to kind of back up a little bit to how we got how this idea kind of came came to us and managed to um, come to fruition. The previous winter, we were all living together with a couple other friends in Lake Tahoe for the ski season. We all enjoy and, you know, we all ski and snowboard and um, have lived kind of nomadic lives for the last several years. And just kind of, you know, hanging out around our kitchen table and daydreaming about awesome things to do. Um, we just kind of started talking about how cool it would be to sail. And I, I personally had kind of had the idea rattling around there for a while. I, I went to the Greek islands back in 2011 and not, not sailing. I was just going around on the ferries and on Santorini at Parisa beach, I was at a bar one night and I met a guy who said that he was sailing around, um, just by himself and with his dog. And he pointed out his sailboat, which was just anchored right off of Parisa beach. And at the end of the, you know, at the end of our conversation, he just went down to the beach, got his little dinghy and paddled out to his boat. And it was probably about a 24 foot boat. And I just thought that was so cool. So I, I saved that memory and knew that right. was something I was interested in. And then, uh, Spencer, um, he, he, who was with us, he's done some sailing before and he's always into an adventure. Aaron and Anna, um, their brother and sister and, Aaron was in Tyler's kindergarten class and was good friends of us for a long time. And Spencer and I have done a lot of traveling in Asia together. So we're all kind of on the same page of just trying to go for things that appeal to us. And so around our Tahoe kitchen table seemed like a good, good place to kind of get serious about the next adventure. And, um, and then Tyler really took initiative in doing a lot of emailing and um, figuring out what it would take to do that. And, you know, we figured out it wasn't, wasn't going to be that difficult and uh, with six months lead time, with no one else really having concrete plans of how they wanted to spend the year, that, that seemed to work pretty well for everybody. So we're all kind of on the same page. I don't know, Tyler, do you want to? Yeah, we, I very much agree with that. We were definitely all on the same page. Um, it, was, it was kind of a, a, a bigger undertaking. We, we were living in Tahoe at the time. Our lease ended, so we all, none of us had a lease. None of us had a mortgage to pay for um i believe that the 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 i i left my job at that time and anna and Aaron, uh aaron 
and both left their jobs at that time. So as far as, as life changes go, it was kind of a larger undertaking. Uh, as far as financially, it, it definitely was, um, it definitely took something, took quite a bit, but I was actually kind of surprised at, at the range of prices that we got on the charter companies. We were able to find a really good deal and we were really able to work various jobs throughout the winter. Obviously, really had to plan ahead, but but to kind of um, cover the trip. It it wasn't too far outside of. It, actually, it wasn't far outside of any comfort zone. But it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it was very doable as long as we planned ahead. Can you can you tell us what you paid for the charter for the six weeks? I think in total it was about eight. That was eight thousand. It was it was eight thousand euros for the charter for the entire six weeks, and if we, I emailed probably about thirty different charter companies, and I got anywhere from uh, six thousand to twenty two thousand for the six weeks. So quite a bit. Oh. Range. <laughs> so eight eight thousand euros is what nine thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah, I think it came out to be. Roughly around ten thousand, nine thousand, or nine hundred and something dollars. So divided between all of you, and with that many weeks, it's really, um, it's really quite manageable, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. It, thinking of it as your rent and transportation expense for a six-week period of time, I mean, I, I remember the total cost per person ended up being just under two thousand for the boat. Of course, we had to pay for food and things like that, but um, I mean. It really wasn't more expensive than a lot of other six-week backpacking or trip, or, you know, other kind of traveling trips you could do. It was really, I think, pretty manageable for what we got out of it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, so sorry for the digression. I know we probably should get back to the nuts and bolts. No, no, actually, Neil, a lot of people are curious about cost of this stuff. And, and I've got lots of emails asking me to get more into the into the, okay. the cost and so i think this is good to, to to go into this now my carrying costs for my boat uh, really are about seven thousand dollars a year so if you're getting a boat for eight thousand dollars you know sometimes i'm thinking it's, it's better to go ahead and charter rather than buy a boat and have all the headaches of maintenance of a boat so i you know I, it's not a bad deal it's really not a bad deal well yeah, I, definitely... I, I sorry go ahead yeah well, just real quick, just for, you know, considering it was our first trip and our first real-time sailing, I think, you know, we weren't in a position to buy a boat. I think, I mean, I would love to buy a boat in the future and, you know, when, especially when I know I'm going to spend a lot more time sailing, but um, I think it was a good way to do it just to get started, for sure. Yeah, let right. me, let's digress just a little bit because you have the five of you on board, you're all good friends, um, but whenever you live with somebody for six weeks... Sometimes you get on each other's nerves. Did you have any incidents like that on, on board? Or did you just basically say, hey, we're each going to have a day? And this is what I've done, even with my wife. Hey, you know, this is a day off. I'm going to go do stuff by myself and not be with you and, and vice versa. Because you just, sometimes you just need some time alone. Definitely. Yeah, that was actually something that we learned as the charter went on. Um, being around, I think being around five or four other people it can be challenging in and of itself, but then you throw in the the mix of learning a new skill, making decisions that have consequences, and and really just trying to navigate a new a new world definitely adds stress to the situation. So 
we, as the charter went on and we were spending more time around each other and making more decisions and having more kind of stressful discussions, um, I, I, it definitely started wearing on us a little bit. And I think it was actually on the exact midway point of our journey where we all, it, we, we ended up at a, a bar or a restaurant on Kalimnos and we kind of sat down and really aired out a lot of things that we were experiencing or, or things that were working for us or things that weren't working for us and, and really kind of just realized that we, we also needed to take time away from each other and from the boat, exactly like you said, Franz, to, to go spend a day on our own or go spend a couple of hours on our own. Um, so that, I guess, was a, a part of it that we didn't really anticipate or think about or plan beforehand, but was really uh, definitely a part of the, the journey uh, as we were experiencing it. And, I mean, we, I would say we, we did get along really good. We did handle the situations really well, and we're all still really good friends. Um, and I think we, all of us would do uh, something like this again. So all in all, it was, it was a learning experience uh, in that regard, in many regards, but definitely in that regards. And um, yeah. And do you, do you all have the sailing, sailing bug now or is it different between all of you? How much you like it or otherwise? Um, I think we, I mean, we actually just the other day sat down and we're kind of talking about plans for this coming summer and what we want to do. And it's clear we all are really into sailing and doing these kinds of things together as a group. Um, how things are going to go this current year, I think is still kind of up in the air. Um, we're all interested in doing, you know, some sort of sailing component in a trip, whether that's uh, two weeks or six weeks or what that is. I'm just, I think it's still kind of um, undecided at this point. And um, speaking for myself, I mean, I'm, I definitely can envision doing long-term sailing travel um, in the future. And uh, I think everyone kind of, to some degree, or probably to a significant degree, would, would like to do the same um, at some point as well. So it's yeah. yet to be determined, but we're all interested. <laughs> I, I would just add to that, Ian and I didn't grow up sailing. We, um, I think we had a maybe a 10 foot little dinghy that we took out once or twice, but two times, I think two times. Yeah. But I mean, we grow up playing other sports, but, but sailing really, once we discovered it, it's, it's just one of the most awesome things that you can do with your time. It's transportation. It's, it's a community. It's uh, an awesome activity and art and skill. I know we're preaching to the choir. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's, I know. We're preaching you, to the choir. you took the words right out of my mouth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But but for us, it was it was really awesome and really great to discover that um, at the age that we did. And and for me, for my part, I definitely would love to to sail more. And I definitely have the sailing bug. We're, we're actually living in Santa Cruz now. We, we were living in San Francisco, but we're in Santa Cruz now. There's a harbor here. There's a sailing community here. So as soon as the weather clears up this spring, I plan on on getting involved in that. All right, I just uh, did a track on Google Earth from Cape So Union uh, over to Rena, uh, and you did that all in one day, right? We did, yeah. That's about 65 nautical miles, approximately. That's a long day. That's a real long well, day. Okay. For... So we went to Keithnos and then Rena. Oh, yeah, okay. So, okay. So there was that, yeah, we had that one night on Keithnos where we dropped off Fiori. And then, um, you know, kept going. I, so, yeah, that we hadn't 
gotten to any really long crossings then. We're getting to our most... Uh, our longest our crossing. Long, I don't know if it's our longest, but it was definitely our most tumultuous. Um, from After Mykonos, we went to Tinos, where we spent four nights. We could talk about that. That was a beautiful island. And then from there to Patmos, that was... Uh, yeah, that was quite a crossing. But um, up to this point, I think our longest was like four... Keith knows Tarina, what I think was about eight hours, but that was also extremely flat water with motoring. So it really was quite pleasant. Talk to me about, uh, so after this, you went up to Tinos and I haven't been to Tinos and it's on my agenda for this summer. So I want to get your take on Tinos. Yeah. So Tinos was actually kind of a, um, a last minute decision. I think we were in the harbor in Mykonos and we realized that there was a little bit of rock climbing on Tinos. And, and the, the trip, we really wanted to do a lot of rock climbing. On Kaliminos and the Dodecanese is one of uh, the best rock climbing destinations, I think, in the world as far as sport climbing. And so we knew that we were going to be able to do some there, but we also wanted to find other places to be able to do that. And we, we learned that there is a little bit on Tinos. So we... we Crossed up from Mykonos up to Tinos. I think that was mainly upwind. Um, but it's not very far. It's pretty close too, right? Exactly. Yeah, not very far. We did that in the morning one day before the wind picked up too much. Um, and Tinos, we really didn't know too much about Tinos going into it. But the harbor is actually was one of the most beautiful harbors that we went into on our on our whole trip. It's right in the heart of downtown. So you step off the back of your boat and cross the street and you're right in the heart of downtown. Now I'm looking and I'm looking at the harbor of Tinos and it looks like there's almost a commercial harbor then a little harbor. I mean it's it's a pretty big harbor. Where where exactly in the harbor did you end up staying then? Um let me see if I can zoom in on this here, but um there is a commercial harbor. Let's see. Yeah, there is a commercial harbor. Then there's uh, just to, I mean, it looks like just to the east of that, um, or maybe to the south, there's like a little square indent, if like, you can see it on Google like Maps. A little jetty, and then... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, so right at in the, at the, the back of that square indent, I believe, is where we, we, we harbored, or anchored, medmoored. This yeah. is just for my own use, so when I'm going in there, I'll, I'll visualize, visually know where I'm headed, so... And there's, there's power and electric, you know, no, there, there's power hookups and, um, you're right in the heart of things there. All right. So, so you, did you drop, did you pick up, uh, again, did you drop your anchor and back in, or did you pick up a laid mooring there? It was, um, uh, med mooring. We dropped anchor. Did you rent a car and drive around Tinos or what did you do while you were at Tinos? We did. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. Well, we met a, um, a climbing guide who took us to um, you know, showed us the local climbing on the island, which was awesome. He was great, and uh, then we, we did rent a car, right? We, we did rent a car one day, and, then, and we went to the other side where we went to another beach, and um, we were hoping to be able to surf that day. We heard that there was surfing there. We didn't even know when we arrived at the island, but um, that was that was a pleasant surprise. We went over there. We did meet some friendly. Um, some friendly people. The, there's an Australian guy and a, a French girl that we later had back to our boat for dinner. But um, we unfortunately it was way too windy to 
to to surf it was all washed out but um but yeah we did rent a car for a day kind of went ex- just you know went and explored the coastlines and um climbed i think two days there um and yeah that was that was our experience of tinos it was i i really liked that island it was beautiful um good community yeah yeah we were planning on staying a day or two but ended up staying about four or five days yeah yeah that's one of the islands i've gone by so many times and i've never stopped there so that's uh I'm looking forward to seeing it this year. So that'll be great. So you went from there over to Patmos. That's a long haul. I've done the haul from Mykonos over. But from Tinos, that's uh, almost, you might have more of a downwind broad reach if the, if the Meltimis are blowing when you did it. How, how was the passage then? Uh, and so that, yeah, that was an interesting passage. That's exactly what we were thinking going into the passage, that we would have kind of a downwind broad reach. Um, we, we, uh, we stayed on Tinos longer than we were planning on it on. And we left to go to Patmos on a day when I think the winds were forecast to blow between 30 or right around 30, 30, uh, maybe 25 to 30. And we, we, the waves were forecast, I think at one to two meters or one to one and a half meters, if I remember correctly, but also coming from the North. So we started the day around 6 a.m. Uh, we, we motored out of Tinos, got around the, the bottom of the island, or motored, motored out of Tinos Harbor, got around the bottom of the island, and started our day. We were making really good time, but as we got more and more out into kind of the middle of those islands there, the waves picked up quite a bit, and they were hitting us. They were really short-period waves, and they were hitting us on our port side, and so they kind of set the boat on a really unpleasant, gyrating, rocking motion. Um, and I don't think that we were fully anticipating that. That was kind of a, a wake-up call as far as sailing goes for us. Yeah, the waves were just about exactly beam reach, just perpendicular to our boat. And we were, I mean, I think we, we were thinking about the day turned really quickly. We started out, um, we had breakfast, we're on the water, we're having a little dance party on the boat, just really high energy, and then after about three hours, just not not feeling good. <laughs> Pretty miserable, to say the best. Um, but yeah. And as the crow was, flies, as, as the crow flies, we're talking almost 75 nautical miles to get around to an anchorage on Patmos. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So did you turn did you turn downwind a little bit to um, to make that a little easier for you, or did you just tough it out all the way across? We had quite a we had a big discussion about what to do, um, and the winds actually picked up quite a bit more than twenty five or thirty knots. I think they were blowing thirty five and maybe forty at, at times. Wow! Um, so we definitely depowered our sails quite a bit, and. We were we did talk about heading downwind, just abandoning our plan, heading downwind to Noxos, mm-hmm. or um, motoring up north to Ikaria. There's a, a, a harbor on the northern end of Ikaria. Well, there's uh, also one on the southern side of Ikaria too. Oh, is there? Yeah. Well, then I think I, I think we talked about that, but um, the winds were. I think we, we felt that that harbor was not going to be very sheltered. I, I forget how, I, I don't remember the details of that whole dialogue, but um, 
I know that after about 20 minutes of, I think we kind of backtracked for a second and then decided to keep going. Um, but yeah, we, we also didn't know that if the winds were going to improve the following day and we were really antsy to get onto Potmos. And so we decided to kind of tough it out. Um, yeah, I've, I've gone from Mykonos, uh, the upper harbor of Mykonos over to Akaria and it was exactly like you're describing uh, but as soon as I got to the tip of Vicaria, the wind dropped. It was a big wind shadow, and I just could could motor along. I actually had to take down the sails and motor along the southern coast of Vicaria up to the uh, – up to there's a little harbor, tiny little harbor that you can go into there. So anyway, just for future reference when you go over again. And actually, yeah. we did experience that a little bit. After we did – after we got into the wind shadow of Vicaria, it did die down quite a bit. And as we moved further east towards the Dodecanese, towards Potmos – um, the winds did die down a bit. So it was it was mainly just that mid to late morning, early afternoon um, time period when the winds were really heavy, the rains were really, or not the rains, the, the waves were really high. And it, it, it wasn't anything, you know, in the whole spectrum of things, it wasn't anything too great. But for us, it was kind of a, a first experience of, of real sailing or of sailing. So it was definitely a learning experience. Did anybody get seasick? Yes, both me and Ian both got seasick. I think everyone got seasick. I think, uh, I mean, I I lost my breakfast that, yeah. that morning. So <laughs> I may have gotten the most seasick. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yep. So how, when, what? it must have been almost late in the evening when you got into Patmos, because that's a long haul. Yeah, it was. It was. It was kind of uh, the sun was setting as we anchored in in Potmos, or as we as we we did a side time Potmos. But yeah, that it was a we left before the sun came up and and got there kind of as the sun was going down. And, and I think it might be worth putting in there that we did speak with Fiore, our guest captain, for the first two days of our journey. We we talked to him on the phone the day before making this crossing and. He recommended we not do it. He, he recommended we go to a different island, at least for now, um, probably Noxos, which would be more with the wind. Um, but we just asked him, like, Fiori, can we do this? And he's like, yeah, I mean, you can. You, you, can, de- you can do it, but not recommended. And we're like, okay, but if, if you think it's possible, all right, that, that was all we needed. And that would be something I would do a little differently in the future, just kind of as a theme for sailing in general the lesson that you're not kind of in control all the time. You need to be receptive and um, kind of listen to what nature's, what nature has in, on your agenda and um, be a little more sensitive to what's going on in the world um, and not so heavy handed to just think like, this is our agenda, this is what we're going to do. And so that's, that crossing was a turning point for us in our, um, you know, and how, how we checked the weather, how we talked to locals and took people's advice and really were receptive to the wind and uh, the right. nature. Oh, yeah. You're, you're speaking, uh, you're speaking Franz's language there. He's a big fan of just going with, with the wind, downwind sailing, easy beam reach. Yeah. He doesn't want to work too hard, but that's the, uh, that's the accumulation of years of wisdom and experience. I, I, I tried to teach you this last summer, Neil. I tried to teach you this. There we go. You can, he, he can't resist the temptation to nag me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the trouble with you, young American newbies. You've got this terrible, intrepid spirit that you think you can do things you can't. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. The, the English are a little more conservative, but you know we've got two thousand years of maritime history and plenty of shipwrecks <laughs> to show for it. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we definitely learned our lesson. <laughs> All right. So in Patmos, you went into the main town of Patmos then. Correct. Did you uh, did you do the walk up to the monastery then? Did you walk the uh, pilgrims walk up there? No, this is Potmos was really uh, I, as we were leaving. I'm like, wow, there's so much here that we didn't do. There's a, a beach on the other side we really wanted to go to. Um, it took a lot out of us that you know the, our sail, our crossing really took a lot out of us, and uh, we were really our minds were kind of already looking towards. Um, Palendos and Kalimnos for climbing. So I don't know about, yeah, I guess I could call it a little regret that we didn't really explore Potmos as fully as we could have because I realize it's a beautiful island and there's a lot of history and the monasteries there and everything. But unfortunately, that's something we didn't do on this trip. So next time. So you only stayed one night in Patmos then? I think we stayed two or three nights. I think we stayed two or three. Yeah, we were there for a little bit. Um, but yeah. Recovering from your crossing then? Recovering from the crossing and, and having a little bit of a relaxing moment. We were pretty active on Tinos, um, doing quite a bit. And so with that and then the crossing, I think we um, we, we kind of just relaxed for a day or two. We also had some, some little repairs to do on our boat um, with our uh, water tank. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, I mean, those things shouldn't have prevented us from going up to the temple or to the monastery. But... Um, yeah, we kind of were busy with chores and that kind of thing. Didn't really go out too much. It's pretty low key. So from there, where did you head? <clears throat> from there, we went down to, we went south um, to Nisos Archangelos, which is, uh, you know, see on the map, it's, go ahead. It's a small little um, anchorage. I'm trying to see the, uh so it's on the south side of the island, Nisos Archangelos. Um, and Leros, so there's a larger island of Leros, and then there's a small little island just north of Leros called Archangelos. And on the south side of Archangelos, um, there's an anchorage, actually a really, really nice anchorage, right on the south side of, of Archangelos. Yeah, it's a, this, it's a desolate yeah. anchorage. You might have one Taverna ashore. I've sailed by there. I actually dropped for lunch one time there, but it's... Uh, it's it's sort of a desolate anchorage, isn't it? I mean, there's nothing on shore. It's just a beach on shore, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. We we kind of put down our anchor, swam to shore. There's skipped rocks there for a while. It's really flat, round rocks. But um, there was a like an old little dock that clearly wasn't being used for anything anymore. But uh, that that was a really nice evening. We kind of and I mean, we were still kind of new to this whole thing and. Being alone in a little anchorage with, um, you know, with the Milky Way overhead was was still a pretty magical experience. I mean, I'm sure it always will be, but it was uh, still a novel, cool thing for us to experience. And um, yeah, I just I have really good memories of Archangelos. Um, the next morning, things changed pretty quickly, though. Let, let we, me ask you. Let me ask you a question, Neil, because when Neil and I were sailing last summer, Neil was the one that uh, did the cooking because he's a much better cook than I. How did you do the cooking, and what sort of provisioning did you do for the boat? Since you you were trying to save money, and one of the ways you save money on a boat is is cooking on the boat. So who? How how did you arrange that? Yeah. So 
we we did it a couple different ways. In the beginning, we were kind of all buying groceries together, um, and 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 all just using the groceries as needed. We would cook communal dinners a lot of times. Um, we we quickly realized that we have different appetites and different tastes, so we started buying more of our own groceries, and then and then still having uh, dinners together. But um, <laughs> as far as cooking goes, it was a it was a lot of uh, tuna and and uh, beans actually and dolmas and dolmas. Yeah, we we did not we were not gourmet chefs, and that's maybe one thing I would do a little bit differently. We definitely stopped and and had um, you know when we were in in um, harbors, we definitely went to uh, local places to eat that was absolutely delicious. So we definitely sampled plenty of of the food that Greece has to offer. But on the boat, we as time went on, we we did move away from needing to buy a lot of refrigerated stuff. Um, we realized the less we we had to rely on the refrigerator, the better. Our refrigerator also went out a couple times. Yeah, and and that was kind of just a, a it ran off the batteries. Um, I don't know if any refrigerators on, on any of the boats run off of um, gas or propane or anything like they do in some of the RVs, but ours ran off of the battery, and. In order to keep it um, powered up enough, we would have to run the, the engine, the diesel, uh, about two hours a day. So, but we, I mean, although I uh, definitely dolmas and beans and tuna were kind of the staple foods of our trip, we did kind of have some gourmet dinners a couple nights. Nisos yeah, Archangelos definitely. was one of them. Um, you know, we had, we made salads pretty regularly. And yeah, um, I think Anna. And, and and maybe Aaron a bit too. They they kind of probably made the most uh, the most number the greatest number of gourmet meals where we kind of all sat down and ate. But um, yeah, but th- uh, that was gen- gentlemen. I hate to interrupt you. I have to get off yeah. the call. I have uh, something to attend to. I just want to congratulate you on on doing this. Um, and I also just wanted to put in a very quick word. The reason I found out about this, um, even though I was one of the people you've been emailing uh, right at the beginning a year ago was that I saw that wonderful article that you guys wrote in Sale Magazine. So that's, uh, if people are interested after they've listened to the podcast in finding out more about you guys, that, that, that to go to Sale Magazine and have a look at that great story. So um, I'll let you continue the interview in the safe hands of Franz, and uh, congratulations again. Hope to see you out on the water sometime. Yeah, Neil, thank, yeah. thank you very much. Thanks for, nice meeting you here. And, and I should just say, when uh, I, I emailed Franz, um, before we did the trip, asking him some questions, he answered those questions on his podcast. And Neil actually reached out to me to uh, to answer some of the questions as well, sent me a very detailed email. So, Neil, thank you for that information. It was definitely helpful, and, and I appreciate you reaching out to us to, to help us out. You're very welcome. Got to pay it forward. Okay, see you later. Yeah. Neil, thanks for joining right. us. No problem. Okay, bye. Bye. All right, so continuing from Arch- Archangelus, how long we've gone now? We've got about 57 minutes right now. I'm going to just uh, stop it here for the first part of this interview. Thank you for listening. If you have thoughts, comments, suggestions, please write me, franz1 at medsailor.com. And if you want to support this podcast, please do it on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, forward slash medsailor. And if you sign up to the email list, you can get eight of the 16 lessons that I have for the basic keelboat certification exam. This will teach you basic terminology of sailing, 
very, very basic information that you need to actually know before you even get on a boat. Because sailing is really a foreign language, and in the first eight lessons, you're going to learn about the terminology and the language of sailing. So why not? Sign up for the email list. I don't bombard you with emails. Basically, you get an email from me when I put out a new post in the podcast. And that's really about it so far. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing.